0: In lightning, inspirational, inspirational. Powerfully, powerfully refining, and unapologetically controversial, conversations with the royal impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your coindom and become the royal empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the royal empress. Now Akila, she's the analytical empress. Akima, she's the empress that will challenge you. And Lacajé Nadira, she's the empress who tells it like it is. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversations with the royal impress.
1: To another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress, joining me are my fellow co-hosts Lakisha Nadira and Haikima. and tonight we have a special co-host and our guest Empress Akila Nahanda. Welcome, Akila Nahanda. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks
3: hey, for having you. me, Welcome.
1: Thank you. So-, <laughs> so tonight we are discussing rising above emotions into the thinking of God. Does ego? Play a role in our inability to rise above emotion. Ladies, let's discuss rising above emotion. What does that mean to you guys? Wow. Well, rising above emotions happens to
3: be um, something that I think about often. Uh, Taken from the study guides um, as given to us in the self or the self improvement study guides, you know, rising above emotions is one of my favorite one to study because it is so, um, God, it's so full. And so when I think about what that means, being able to get to a place where, in short, you're just not caught up in your feelings. Um, being able to have experiences where instead of responding and reacting on a lower plane of existence, you're able to dig deeper and go within the inside of that higher power, the God within and rise to the top. So in short, that's, that's, you know, what I think of when I hear the words, the term rising above emotion. So you're going into a higher state of existence, which is your God self. Your spiritual godlike nature, which allows you to think clearer and allows you to be able to have a response that is not based on the feeling that you have, because instantly, or you know, it's easy for us to get out of our feelings or feel some kind of way or respond um, in a way that may not always be the best way, not always the godly way.
4: I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think of rising above emotion. I'm thinking about growth and development going from a child to an adult. I mean, if you study children, Mm. they act on emotions quickly. And that's all they they act on. And they throw temper tantrums, things don't go their way. They demonstrate that on the outside. So it lets you know what's going on on the inside. They can't handle it you if you're an adult and you're responding the same way you did as if you were six or seven then you have failed to grow and develop at the rate that you should have so anytime you see an adult walk around you know pouting and slamming things they're pretty much demonstrating what level of intellect they're at or what emotional level of, of growth and development that they
2: are i agree um it makes me think about the table talk that was just done Will and Jada Smith the red table talk and they talked about how they in essence they pretty much talk about how they had to rise above emotions and to the thinking of God in their relationship to make sure that they have a successful marriage because they know the type of environment that they're from and they know the type of background that they both have and they know that if they were to communicate any type of way off of just impulse or emotion, then they said that they knew that they would not last. And so I think a big part of rising above emotion into the thinking of God is having a knowledge of self and knowledge of your limits, a knowledge of what presses your buttons so that when your buttons are pressed, you can... You know, do whatever it is that you need to do in order to get yourself to a logical mindset instead of an emotional mindset. And of course, the highest mindset that we can go is into the thinking of God. So if we can get ourselves to that level, then I think that a lot of the things that's happening today negatively would not have to happen. I think most of the things that happen and most of the fights that go on is because people are, we're being emotional and we're not rising above. So. How much, how much of a a factor do you guys think that the ego plays
1: into our inability to rise above emotion? Sometimes it's like, you know, obviously the ego is kind of what our perception of ourselves is not necessarily who we are but who we who we perceive ourselves to be or how how we want to be perceived by others. And so sometimes that emotion that you feel is a bruised ego and you can't get out of your own way because you have cuz now somebody has has again they bruised your ego they have made you feel a certain way that you don't necessarily want to feel and so then that kicks in. So it's like how do we tame that part of us, what do we have to do?
3: Well, I I think just um, just as a state to rise above emotion into the thinking of God. So we have heard all before, you know, ego representing edging or exiting God out, however we like to look at it. So when we're dealing with the ego and you think about it, from that perspective of removing God, edging him out, exiting God out, then the only way that you can really accomplish um, or be able to rise is to include in all your thinking, in all of your response and your action, include and move God in, which would be the opposite of Xing or edging him out. Um, That may not always be the easiest thing to do if in fact we have not, as Akilah mentioned earlier, um, figured out who we are. So when you talk about a people or a person, having the knowledge of God, having the knowledge of self, which if understood correctly, means that they are two in the same because God, we are gods, right? So for me to really get to the deep core as to who I am as a person and for me to know it and then love myself enough to represent myself appropriately and properly connecting to the divine within, then it makes it a lot easier for me to get to a state where the ego and me pushing God away, exiting him out, edging him out, where that takes control and get to the part where I'm bringing him back to the center of who I am bringing myself to the center and becoming one
2: ego I think when it comes to ego I feel like sometimes our ego can lead us to emotions you know so if if you have an ego that is you could say dominant and if you have an ego that is that always needs to be right, you know, then... Because there there is such thing as a healthy ego, you know. So, I'm, I'm, of course, we're talking more so of the negative ego. So, if we have a negative ego, that's always going to be like a trigger in situations. So, at the end of the day, I feel like ego, the way it plays a part in... And not allowing you to, to rise above the emotion is because you're too, like what sister said, we're too wrapped up in who we are and how we feel that we've been done wrong. And we're not looking at the big picture. We're looking only at how I am affected. So the ego is the I, like I, 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 I. So if we're just looking at it from an eye perspective instead of a big picture, then you're always going to be affected because at the end of the day, I mean, everybody's going to get hurt by, you know, the words that people say, the actions that people do, the expectations that we have. Expectations are a huge one. And when our expectations are not met, it crushes the ego sometimes because you're like, I just knew that this is supposed to happen for me or this is supposed to happen for my child. This is supposed to happen for my spouse. This is supposed to happen for my friend. I don't understand why it's not going my way. It goes back to the my, 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 my. So it puts us in a in a childlike, like what sister was saying, a childlike state where we're no longer thinking about, thinking like a, a, an adult. We start getting childish because children say, me, 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 I, I, I. That's all children know how to do, really. So it's natural for a child to do that. But it's up to us growing out of the child phase to no longer stay on that child level. So I think the ego is when we just think, I, 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 me, me, me. And a lot of people, you know, we think about President Trump, we think about people like him or sometimes even uh, celebrities and a lot of people think that Kanye has that, like a big ego because it's like, I, 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 me, me, me. That's still up for debate because it might not be that necessarily, but at the same time, some people just don't grow out of it. That's my point. (laughs) Some people just don't grow out of the I, 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 me, me, me mentality. And that you can never rise above emotions into the thinking of God if you have that mentality. I
1: agree with that wholeheartedly, that
2: what we may be talking about
1: is a lack of emotional maturity in many people. And we're unable to sometimes really kind of get out of our own way. And you do. You have this I mentality, this me mentality. Everything centers around me. Everything is about me. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes I think it's the inability to really take yourself out of the equation that a lot of people have difficulty with. You can't see. You always think something is about you. And sometimes it's, I mean, it's just really not. Sometimes no one is even talking about you or even referring to you, but you've basically put yourself into it and then you've gotten emotional over something. It really doesn't involve you. And it's 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 interesting that you know that many of us do that, but I, I definitely think it's a lack of uh, emotional maturity. And just trying to move past that, I think that one of the things that 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 we've been taught is about the ability to think five times before you speak. And sometimes even in in that it allows us to to bring the emotional level down because you're actually silent and you're actually quiet and you're actually you know contemplating what you're going to say but but the emotional person is no holds barred it's what comes up comes out it's instantaneous and so how do you combat that how do you control that if that's your response if that's your reaction and if you find yourself Always having to say something, not even think about what you're getting ready to say, but you just have to respond. Then, to me, that that's a demonstration of a lack of maturity, emotionally. and um, that's part of what we have to figure out as adults. Is you know how do we how do we tame the ego for one thing, but how do we develop emotional maturity? And I think that that's what we're lacking. And if in sometimes I think it's as children, like you. You know, like what has been said, when you're talking about children throwing tantrums, children doing this, but if there has never really been boundaries set with the person, then that's what they do. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about how children, you know, when when boundaries aren't set with children and they just are allowed to throw tantrums and they're allowed to do whatever, what develops is attention, attention seeking. And so the child, so your child is doing something good. You're on the phone, right? Just as an example, your child is doing something good. They want to tell you, you're like, no, 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 baby, wait. And then they'll go in and and knock a hole in the wall. (laughs) I mean, that's extreme. But then guess what? They got your attention, you know? And so now what I'm learning as a child in my development is that good attention is not necessarily going to get me noticed by you. But if I do something negative, then it brings that out and so I wonder sometimes if that has something to do with our inability you know to control our emotions because we know that we get we've been taught that the squeaky wheel gets the oil we've been taught that you have to raise hell if you want somebody to respond and to do what you want so in a way we've almost been taught that throwing a tantrum is how we get what we want or how we get attention or whatever so you know, where's the incentive sometimes for us to really control our emotions and how do we deal with, with people and operate in that manner? you uh, a not head, LaCache.
3: I'm just listening. I'm like, wow, it just it sparked a thought or a memory. And for me to even be able to share this means that I've grown tremendously. So And I've talked about it over the years, just because you know sometimes I've done workshops, you know, with women, and when I'm doing one-on-one counseling sessions, I will bring this up as an example. But I can remember because you talked about children and the tantrums that they have and the attention that they get from having those, and remembering as a child, um, how I was the only child. I grew up in a very community-like household where you know I got uncles, I got aunts, I got cousins. I'm not. You know, I got um, mother, you know, all these people in this household who showed me love constantly, who showered me with love, showered me with gifts. And so this was just the norm. This is just what I did, and it was the norm for me. Um, I remember uh, two incidents, but one is I remember um, being, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I was 16, okay? Because most people at 16, some people at 16, you know, they pretty much grown. Well, at 16, I can remember celebrating the Christmas holiday because at that time, my family celebrated Christmas. Being the only child and being used to getting gifts all the time, being showered with the gifts, the love and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this was just what I, this is what we did, right? So this particular Christmas, my mother was not in a position to be able to get me all the gifts that she was used to getting me. Um, I mean, I was used to like every every gift under the tree belonged to me, okay, back then. Because again, I'm the only child, so I got aunts buying me things, uncles buying me things. But anyways, 16 years old, okay, y'all hear me? Christmas Day, we go over to a friend's house of hers to celebrate with her, and she gave her children their gifts, and then here I got mine. I remember distinctively getting 10 gifts, which most people be like, whoa, that's a lot. I remember getting a coat. I remember getting this leather purse. I remember getting this little TV. I mean, I got a radio. I got like all of these things. Looking back and thinking back, it sounds really crazy. But that was not enough for me. That was not enough because all my life, the whole tree, everything belonged to me. So I'm comparing like what I'm getting and what they're getting. And I'm unhappy. I mean, I'm like hurting the inside. Well, because my mother really unknowingly had trained me to believe Based on her actions, that the giving of gifts was love, and the fact that I was missing the gifts, I was not getting my love. Now, I later diagnosed, I later, you know, thought about this years later and had to break it down, you know, from a psychological standpoint. But at this moment, here I have just 10 gifts and I lost it. A big behind 16 year old baby, me falling out on the floor. Y'all I have to understand this is, this is a bit falling out on the floor, having a tantrum because we're talking about the emotion. Oh, I'm crying. I'm like literally like a two year old on the floor tantrum, having a tantrum. And I remember looking, I looked over at my mother and my mother was the type of mother she is going to get in your behind. But this day she didn't. I looked over at her. See, this goes to show you how this foolishness, well, I want to get into that. I looked over at her. I saw the hurt in her eyes. I saw she had tears in her eyes because in her mind, she was not able to come through. She was not able to do what society told her she was supposed to do. And so here she got this big overgrown fool (laughs) falling out, having a tantrum. Her friend, on the other hand, looked over at me. She must have said a few cuss words. If you don't get your blankety bug with it, you know, up off that ground. And then I got myself together. Later, I was very embarrassed about it, you know, and all that. Let me fast forward. See, because this tantrum that I had got the attention of my mother, as you were speaking about, then it showed me. See, this apparently was not the first time. Apparently, this was something that I had done before probably when I was two and then three and then four and all the way up. Now I'm 16 years old, almost wrong, but having a tantrum like a child because of the attention that I felt like I needed so that you can know I'm dissatisfied fast forward 10 years later, I'm married. I am an adult I Got married at 25 to my first husband. I would have tantrums all the time. I had the same kind of tantrums that I had as a child because it was never tamed and put the heck in check. So here I am, a grown woman with knowledge. Now I'm I'm being candid and I'm just speaking straight with knowledge of who I am, but I had not cultivated. I had not, um, I had not been able to fully practice. And accept the belief that I had been given, accept the, the knowledge and the wisdom that had been poured into me. I had not, it was all in theory because I had not begun to apply it in my adult life in this aspect of my adult life. I'm talking about a grown AZZ adult relationship with a man. You understand? So I had tantrums all the time. My poor. My poor husband, Lord. But see again, I was seeking the and so the good thing. Excuse me, the good thing about him, and I don't know if it was good at the time for me. It wasn't. This was a problem. He didn't respond the way my mother responded. He would look at me like I was a fool, and be looking like I ain't never seen no stuff like this in my life. Like she must be, you know, she must be a fool, and because he didn't respond to me, then again, I'm thinking, no love. Like, I'm crying, I'm kicking shoes, I'm like, look, pay attention. And he's looking like, Lord have mercy, what in the heck have I got myself into? You know, years later, I grew up, I matured, I was able to finally get to that point where I was able to apply the knowledge that I had been given and look at myself, and now go back and be able to see where I went wrong, see possibly where my mother had went wrong, see just all of the faults, and internalize, and make a correction of myself, grow up, and become an adult (laughs) in my actions, not just in my age, because I told y'all I was 16, and then at 26 still t- having tantrums like a two-year-old so that's my confession for the moment but it's real and i'm sure that there's probably I, not that i'm sure i know for a fact because i'm counseling all the time people who have grown as t- tantrums okay so i do know that it takes place but if what i share can help <laughs> then praise be to god but that goes to what you spoke of akila
4: yeah. I, 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 do, I do think the ego plays a very big role in us not being able to, to uh, master our emotions. For one thing, we, we don't do enough self-analysis. We don't really evaluate ourselves. We don't really look within ourselves to say, what do I need to fix? What do I, well, first, what do I need to evaluate? And then what do I need to fix? How do I make myself better? And a lot of that stems from what's socially acceptable and was socially not acceptable. It's not socially acceptable to look within and try to approve oneself. That's just not acceptable. You see so many people in in order to a- answer their problems or to deal with their problems, they turn to alcohol which makes you more emotional. They turn to drugs which toys with your emotions. I mean, they turn to sex, that's another that can be a very emotional draining act. So we turn to anything that's going to help Sensualize our, our emotions um, Also It's also Our perception of ourselves And our thinking You know I just have to do a self evaluation myself See as black people We have this mindset And not to be vulgar But I wish a motherfucker would Right I don't care what circle you going into, There are some black people That have that mindset Because I was the this one that had that I wish a nigga would mindset Well I'm a hard rock that can't be moved these are barriers to us able to control our emotions because we feed off of that. The minute someone challenges us, then here we go back to our ego. I wish a nigga would mindset, which causes us to respond in an emotional way. And when we respond in that emotional way, it just shows that we rely more on our ego than we should.
2: That story was really it was interesting. It was it was kinda of funny. you all have those moments, you know, where we feel like we don't get what we want you know what i mean and that's like you said that's ego and i'm an i'm an only child too so i know that i can understand that whole aspect of always pretty much getting what what it is that you want need and only children truthfully we have somewhat of a hard time sharing you know all that because we never really had to. <laughs> it's just like, why? I, I'm, you know, you always have your own stuff and whatnot. So you, you got to learn. I learned how to share in college. <laughs> so, you know, it's just different things like that, you know, because, you know, when you in college, everybody hungry. So I'm like, oh, can I have some of your food? But anyways, and so because I was asking other people for food, I learned how to give my food because I'm like, well, if they're nice enough to give me food, I I need to learn how to share too. But, you know, it's just about growing up. And I think that for me, expectations play a really big role in ego because when we expect something, and I I said it before, but I can't stress this point enough because I'm going through things right now where it's like everything that I expected – is just is not turning out the way that I expected things to go you know relationship wise whatever it is it's like i expected sometimes you expect your life to go a certain way in your your parents you know I grew up in a single parent household, so my mother kind of you know my mother molded me, and so her expectations are embedded in me as well and so when you have your parents expectations embedded in you you have your expectations embedded in you when things don't go the way you expect not only is your ego crushed but your parents ego is crushed as well and neither one of us really know how to handle it so i think that at the end of the day though when we really only fear God, when we fear a lot only, then we'll be able to overcome a lot of those type of trials where we, we don't know how to deal with thinking we d- deserve something. And then we don't get what we say we deserve. It's like, how you know what you deserve? You know what I mean? You really get, what you deserve. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, if this is what you got, then, you know, they say that's how the universe, you know, transpired. That's what we put out. Sometimes we put out things and that's what we get. And we might say, "Man, I want to be I want to be big as Michael Jackson." But if you're not putting in the work to be like Michael Jackson or bigger than Michael Jackson, who started when he was five and was working like a slave, <laughs> then why throw a tantrum when you find out that you can't even make the, the, the top 40 charts? You know what I mean? Because, like, you're not doing the work. But in our head, we are doing the work. It's really just about what we tell ourselves sometimes. It's like we're telling ourselves we, we deserve what Michael Jackson deserved but we're not putting in the work. So that, and I'm just using music because Michael Jackson is so huge and we see him as, you know, such a hard worker. He was such a hard worker, but that really applies to anything, you know, that we put in our mind. We want the best relationship. We want the best marriage, but it's like, we're not preparing ourselves properly. We're not doing the proper steps, but in our head, we deserve that we deserve it and then we can't see past it why we didn't get it or why we're not getting it or whatever the case may be and that's ego and it goes back to what we were saying about knowledge of self you have to be like you know what I'm not doing what it is that I said I need to do in order to get this result but how can we think like that unless we truly analyze instead of just looking at oh I'm not getting what I want I gotta I'm talking about myself. This is what I do. I analyze myself and be like, okay, the reason why I got this is because I'm not doing the proper steps to get me to where I wanna be. I've gotten myself to where I am right now. <laughs> that's it.
1: That's that's accepting responsibility, Akila Nahanda. That's self accountability. And that's one of the things that many of us don't do is that we actually don't. And to quote Michael Jackson, we don't look at the man or woman in the mirror. And <laughs> there you go with your quote, your song quote, right? <laughs> and but I mean, but it's real, and we don't. And and the and because we don't self analyze, then we respond in ways that are that are not necessarily in our best interest because we're frustrated. And you, when you were talking about expectations, that's one of the, the words that I always use. Uh, it was some years ago that one of my friends, we were talking, and she kept talking about as far as clients, because, you know, when I have clients, and she says, you have to manage clients' expectations, mm-hmm. because if you don't manage their expectations, then they expect something from you that, that they're not deserving of, and that that's not, you know, part of what you do. But I took that to think about managing my own expectations of other people. And you're less likely to get emotional when you actually manage your own expectations of what somebody else actually owes you. Because the reality is, is that people don't actually owe you anything. But if we walk around and we think that we're owed something just because we exist, then we get emotionally charged up you know, when something doesn't go the way that, that we expect it to go. So I expect, because I'm your friend, I expect you to pick up the phone every time I call you. And when you don't, then it's something wrong with you. And now I got to cuss you out <laughs> because you're not there for me when I need you. Or, you know, I mean, just in any, in any relationship. We do. We put these unrealistic expectations on other people. And then when they don't live up to what it is that we feel they should do, then we get emotional about it and we go into attack mode. And we're not thinking about anything else other than I, me, what I didn't get. And I think that a lot of that comes, that's where a lot of the emotion stuff comes from, is you feeling a lack of and that you have not gotten what it is you think you're supposed to get, whether you work for it or not. And even if you did work for something, you can't control other people. And your tantrum is not going to change your circumstances. It just means, you know, take a step back and reevaluate and figure out, I don't have to argue with you. I just have to figure out how to go around you to get what it is that I want. That's how I see it. I'm not, I'm not ready to fight with you to get what I deserve. I'm gonna move around you. But that's, I think that when we get to that level, it's like, I don't have time to put emotion into another person and what this person is or isn't doing. Where there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, when you start thinking beyond emotion, I think you're able to achieve things. But again, you got to manage your expectations. You know,
3: as you were talking, I was thinking about what are other things that, um, prevent us from being able to rise. And so it caused me to think about what the word rise means. And so um, one of the definitions of rise, the verb is to move from a lower position to a higher one, to come or to go up. To get up from lying, sitting, or kneeling. The noun being an upward movement, an instance of becoming higher an increase in amount, extent, size, or number. And so as I was thinking about that, you know, if I'm attempting to rise above emotion, and I kind of started off talking about this earlier, being, putting yourself in a position where you can climb to the highest possible place that's available to you based on really what you're made of. So if I don't, or if I've already edged God out or he's not present, if I don't understand who I am, then am I even capable of being able to rise or how far can I rise? Because it's, you know, I could very well have a glass ceiling and maybe you don't it's based on your level of knowledge and understanding as well as practical application so when we talked about the child or the two year olds you know not really having the ability to do that because they are children well naturally so just like they don't have the ability you as a child you don't have the ability to be able to hold your urine you know maybe like an adult based on your lack of development and growth. So most of the time when we do see people who are challenged with being able to rise above their emotions and to the thinking of God, we have to really take a close look at what may be present in their life and who they are. Because if they're not children, yet they're grown adults, as I talked about myself being a teenager at 16, really almost an adult not being able to do that because that's not what I was used to. That was not the world that I came from or I didn't practice it um, like I should have because there were no restrictions or requirements per se. Opposed to someone who thinks differently, who understands, who gets it, who's whether it's forced or just by their nature, want to apply certain things, want to look at the man or the woman in the mirror. One to say, okay, you know what? I'm feeling this kind of way. Let me check myself. But see, you're dealing with two different things. One who's in tune and one who is not. We see it all the time. When we see a grown, full, adult man or woman, we'll say man for this particular um, thought, walking around, you, you 25, 30 something, you walking around and your pants are, almost at your knees. Like, okay, age, yes, it's a grown man. But has he developed mentally and spiritually? His physical body is like, woo, you know? You might mistake him. Someone who is his same age may mistake him (laughs) for someone who they could be on the same level with. But apparently there's something else going on. Where he has not been able, or for whatever reason, his developmental state is almost on the same level as that two year old. So, again, we're dealing with capacity and one's inability to rise based on what, based on the material and the tools that they have present in their life. If I lack it, if I don't have it, I can't do it. If I haven't been taught how to walk, if I have not been. Given the proper nutrition physically, if I'm malnourished, lacking the spiritual food that is necessary to grow me up so that I can rise, then I will remain on all fours like a beast. I will remain a cavey. I will remain, you know, literally living the life of someone who has not been able to rise up and really be who and what. God's nature is calling them to be so I can't rise if I'm not if I don't have it in me to rise and I think or I know that as someone who is still growing and at times is constantly challenged in my adult life whether it be with my personal family, children, whatever, whether it be throughout my experiences, you know, working within the community or whatever it is. Knowing what I know now, still being challenged, what that means is that, first of all, I haven't made it. I, claim, I don't claim to have gotten there because it's a forever growing process. It's something that we will always be challenged with because the more life we have, The more breaths that we continue to breathe, the more experiences that we will continue to have, the more that nature within is going to be challenged. And there's always room to grow. Um, But I just, the phoenix just keeps coming to mind. The phoenix, the bird, and its ability to, you know, be on such a high plane and just rise up you know against all the obstacles do what most people consider to be the impossible can we get there absolutely we can
1: but it's continuous work it's self-improvement constantly you mentioned the phoenix and i just wanted to 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 go there with the phoenix because remember the the phoenix is actually reborn from ashes Mm -hmm. so although it rises it destroys itself first and then right. it appears. So it is a process of, of, of mm-hmm. growth. The phoenix is, is probably a really good example of that, but we have to understand that the phoenix doesn't just it is, rise it is overnight. Right. And it's a process, right.
3: yeah.
4: I want to read something from the uh, study guide. Uh, rising above emotion and thinking of God, excuse me, I got this, this the uh, cold. But it's, let me read it. Once something is perceived as a threat to our accepted beliefs, there is a reaction in the brain similar to the body's antigen antibody reaction. And instead of lymph cells, it is our emotions which rush to the defense of our threatened belief. That's that's a very, that's deep. That was a, a little deep paragraph for me, rising above emotion to the thinking of God. And for our listeners, this is a must-read study guide. Rise above emotion to the thinking of God. Reading that, once you read it will help you readjust your scope and to look at yourself and to try to rise above emotion. But I thought this little caption right here was very deep because as black people, we need to readjust our thinking for something to come into our our minds and for us to perceive it as a threat. Perhaps we need to change the way we think and that may minimize us attacking everything that we feel is a threat i mean i i if i'm insecure and a woman walks in a room now all of a sudden i'm feeling all these emotions because of my insecurity i'm going to be feeling feelings of hatred because i'm i'm insecure with myself but this woman comes in and she's beautiful automatically i'm going to have negative feelings about myself because of this woman's presence see that's an example of how we need to change our thinking. Now, I have I have $100 in my pocket, and there's one black-owned store, and I choose to keep going because of self-hatred issue. There's that emotion of self-hatred. I take my $100 and I go down to the European store or the Korean store where these people don't care nothing about me, and I choose to spend my money there. Why? Because of feelings of self-hatred. So that action from my feelings of self-hatred become destructive to our community. So this is why it's important for us to change our thinking because once we change our thinking and and change our beliefs that's when we'll start to transform our thinking which will require us to
2: master our emotions at the end of the day a lot of times the things that happen to us if we look at the big picture it's for our greater good yeah so like the scripture says you know All things work out good for those who love the Lord. It's, you know, it's the same thing. So because I trust Allah, when I go through something, I look at it from a perspective of, okay, so why did Allah want me to go through this? And so when we start to really start rising above our emotions, we'll see that it's not happening to us, it's happening for us. So that's how I I take it you know, and I'm like, well, sometimes with my limited knowledge and understanding, I'll think and say, well, maybe I don't know it all. And maybe something good can come out of this whole situation. I don't see how yet. But that does not mean that this water can't be turned into wine, you know. And so at the end of the day, being positive is really important too. Setting our attitudes, like the minister says, there's a lecture on YouTube that talks about uh, our attitudes, and so our attitude has to be one where we see the where sh- we strive to always see the big picture, because if we truly believe that Allah cares about us, then what we're going through presently can be in our favor, depending on how we. Truly react, because as they say, it's it's not what happens to you; it's about how you react to it.
1: Yeah, so. that
3: that's so beautiful, and you know, talking right back or speaking to what we were just talking about, um, just the mind of God. You know, I, what you were saying just about the response and how we receive things. You know, I was thinking on that, and there's this formula that I use that I actually borrowed from um, one of my uh, virtual mentors um jack canfield i believe is his name but he talks about the e plus the r equals the o um and e representing the event r representing the response and o representing the outcome so i'm always speaking about e plus r equals o basically you know we have the event that takes place and the event could be anything could be any situation in our life. Um, But then we have the response. How am I going to respond to the event that just took place in my life or the event that's present and that's staring me in the face? How am I going to respond? Because based on how I respond will determine the outcome. But the response starts here oftentimes. Because now I can physically respond one way, but mentally I can be responding another way. And if, in fact, I already feel that I'm defeated, that I'm not going to win, that I'm not going to come out of this on top, then I'm already creating a situation and an environment where really I'm producing just that. This is why it's so important, and I can't stress enough, um, why it's so important that we safeguard ourselves way in advance. Before situations even happen, not that we're preparing ourselves for the worst, but that we are preparing ourselves nonetheless that we are putting ourselves in a position so that when something does happen, we will know or at least have some kind of idea of how to respond because what is said to us, what is done to us, what is in our environment definitely um, affects everything else you know in our mind, our body, everything so you know, finding out that somebody is terminally ill or whatever the case might be. The minute it enters, that in or the minute that energy is put out there, we have to be so careful that our response, our response at that moment, um, that we begin right at that moment to start start rising, start rising, start rising, start rising, start rising. That way, you know, it's like wearing a bulletproof vest. If you're protected and you got that armor on, which is really the armor of God, when you got that armor on, you're protected. So you can go into any war and somebody could be bouncing bullets off of your chest because you came in knowing that it's possible that something might pop off up in here. So I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready to handle the situation. And no matter what, I'm not going to be defeated, so as we continue to rise above that emotion of whatever takes place, the E plus the R equals the O, as we begin to understand that events are going to be taking place in our lives daily all the time, how are we going to respond? Our response will determine the outcome of the event, which is us being able to rise above the emotion into the thinking of the Almighty God..
1: That was oh, <laughs> y'all We might even wait. Wait, you might have to sing for us, Akilah Nahanda. Oh, wow. <laughs> no,
2: I'm
4: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think what's important to discuss too. So for us, for people that are listening, even even for us that's on this call, what emotions we need to master? Because sometimes people don't have a clear understanding of of what emotions need to be mastered. We need to discuss that. I think. Like, it, what type of emotions mm. that we can tell our listening audience they should be looking for? Because, I mean, someone could listen to this podcast, or we could be talking, but if, if if someone doesn't have a clear idea or example, they won't be able to use the knowledge in this podcast to apply that wisdom to their self so that they can transform their thinking so that they can master self. So. Let's pay the picture for our listeners. I, I want to use one since uh, it just stuck out. As soon as I said the question, excuse me, this just popped off the page because I got the Erasmus above emotion to the thinking of God. Says, I'll read this. In order to obey God's command, we must overcome our emotional reaction to his command. That's deep. At the root of the emotional reaction is frustration over something we personally desire, think, or believe. He challenges challenges us where we are most comfortable with the command calculated to disturb our comfort. That's, that's a very deep statement. I'll, I'll throw out an example. When you, when, we say to, when you say something to people, you should abstain from being sexually active if you're not married. The type of emotion that you get from, I am just want to bring these words to life, the type of emotion that you get from women, you will get cussed out. I don't know if you all have ever had that conversation about the importance of not being, not being so quick to give yourself to a man. When you're talking to to just the cat, the casual person, the street casual sister, the the emotional reaction is anger because or total disbelief, and that just brought proof to this uh, paragraph and overcoming an emotional reaction to God's command.
3: Yes, I, you know, I was I was painting the picture in my mind, <clears throat> and I guess what came to my my thought was that what we need to look at is what are the things that continue to pull us down, that do not allow for us to be able to have a thought that's not, where there's not heat and fire around it. Meaning the example that you gave, why did that bother me so much? Why would that hurt me? Why would that upset my spirit? Well, if we dig deeper into what the reason is for you even you know, having that conversation with somebody, why, should, why is it important to abstain? Why? Well, because when you don't, then you have emotions that get in the way. So therefore, the emotion clouds your thinking. It prevents you from being able to clear, you know, have clear thought. So I want to be able to rise from that because I want to be able to have a thought process that's clear. I don't want my judgment to be off. It's like drinking liquor. Liquor. Pot liquor. <laughs> like, it's like drinking something or smoking something that alters your state of mind so is it possible that the the signs that we should look out for as we're self-evaluating um, with the goal of self-correcting as we're doing self-inventory right L- let's see what i got in my pantry do i have this stuff that keeps me below the belt? Not just physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. What are the things that's weighing me down? Could me possibly engaging in an activity like what was what you mentioned, Dr. Hakima? with that is that activity interfering with my ability to have clear thought? So I guess as one thinks about what are the things that they should work on or what are those things, what is an example, I guess, just keep going back to yourself. Some people might say, this little lick ain't hurting nobody. Or this, you know, me smoking, this ain't going to bother nobody. Or, you know, me slapping this person upside their head. Hey, you know, they need (laughs) it. But you get that. What's going to be, you know, what's the effects of you going upside somebody's head? What's the effects of you turned around and, you know, just knocking somebody just straight out? Yeah, you, you feel that. See, when you start feeling something, I guess it's like when you think about regurgitating, you know that feeling, that you, you can feel it, it's getting ready to come up. It ain't going to be good. so if we can catch it, especially if we know that the results are not going to be favorable for all parties involved, where it's going to be disrespectful, you know, or um, I don't know, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think I come up with, but I guess where whether what when it prevents somebody from being able to be themselves, like it, it kind of takes me back to, and I'm trying to see if this even ties in, it takes me back to something that Dr. Ava um said some time ago, and for those of you who Don't know uh, who Sister Dr. Ava Minister is. Uh, She is a a world scholar, a minister, attorney, um, just a teacher and a mother, so many different things. But she was giving a lecture series um, once, and um, she was talking about, or she asked the question, when do you know, how do you know, how do you know when it is time to end a relationship? And the answer was, you know, when it is time to end a relationship is when that relationship is making you other than your own self. So, when you apply this to rising above emotion and what a person should look for personally to determine if this is something that they need to put out there on the table that they need to be working on, well, is that practice or is that thing? Is that um, situation or whatever the case, if you were to move forward with it, is it going to create something that's going to cause you to be other than who you were made to be? If we're all ye God's children of the most high God, how does God respond in a situation? Now. I can apply pain or I can do something that can seem to be, could be extreme, but maybe it was necessary. But am I emotional right now when I'm doing it? This is why for those, and I'm not, you know, here to tell anybody what they should do in their household when it comes to children and, um, you know, spankings or whatever, but this is why to me, for those who do believe in corporal punishment, it's not good to spank out of emotion. When you are disciplining your child and you feel that they deserve a spanking or whatever the case may be, and many of us may feel like you don't, but if you feel like you, you know, a child deserves a spanking, then it wouldn't be cool to spank them when you're heated, when you're most heated. Why? Because, see, that's how abuse happens. That's how the child will end up in the Department of Children and Family Services because you were so upset, so angry, so you bought out the the deepest, you know, feeling. Um, of pain or or anger which caused you, for one, to be other than yourself and the res- outcome was totally against who you really want to be. So I don't know if that's making any sense but I can kind of see how that you know, might be able to relate.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I think that I, I agree. When I start seeing myself changing I look, I have to also look at it as, is the other person that powerful where they're making me change or is it that I'm being my weaker self, if that makes sense? So it's like, is it really where, is it that person? But what if that person just had another face? What if that person was, you know, switch it up and it might not be the exact person, but it's it's not about that person. It's about you. And it's about me not being strong enough or utilizing the tools that I need in order to be myself. And I'm allowing that outside force to change me because I'm not exerting my pressure on this situation. And so at the end of the day that's how i looked at it because i i was going through something where i felt like i wasn't being myself and i felt like i was changing and i was starting to be resentful and then i had to think i'm like is it really that the other person has that much power or is it that i'm just giving them that power and i'm just literally just not being myself you know what i mean and so when I had that mentality, I said, you know what? I'm just going to be myself regardless and just see what happens. And, of course, the other person, they respect me more because now I am, I am being more of who I am, which makes me happier. And I'm not putting the blame on that person anymore. I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's not about that other person because that, that face could have switched out. It could have been anybody. I would have been in the same situation with somebody else, truthfully, because it's not about them. It's about me not rising to the occasion. And then truthfully, once you rise to the occasion, either they are going to stay or they're going to have to exit. Mm-hmm. And either
1: way, you're going to be okay with it. Right. Either way. <laughs> either I'm going to be all right. Yeah. As you, know, as you were talking... I was thinking, too, when, you, when she asked the question about emotion, is that there is healthy emotion. Right. Yes. Yes. Talking, so, so I think for us to clarify, we're talking about emotions that are unhealthy, right. that lead to, like you said, negative outcomes. Because when we get emotional and cry because of some sentimental thing in a movie, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, when we feel emotions, because love is an emotion. Yeah. So when we feel love for someone else, that's okay. We're not talking about anything like that. Those are normal emotions that I think that people have. Being sensitive, being sensitive to the plight of other people, people who are less fortunate than you. Having, being human, you know, being humane, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that as we're talking about rising above emotion, we're talking about unhealthy emotions, Emotions that lead you, like you said, to be other than who you are and that would cause you to cause harm to either self or others. So, so what yeah. emotions
4: are those,
1: those? Those are the emotions that we need to rise above.
4: I'm sorry, I said let's list those. I'm just going out there, let's list those.
1: Okay. But yeah, but those, those emotions that are detrimental to, like I said, yourself and others, and it's, as we're talking about listing um those emotions i mean anger is is one emotion however there's a healthy anger because something we are supposed to get angry about but unnecessary anger we shouldn't you know if you if 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 i walk down the street and i accidentally step on your shoe and you get angry and you want to knock my head off that's unhealthy but if you kill somebody that I love unjustly and I get angry over that that's not an emotion that I think we need to rise above there has to be you know certain things have that there that there's a healthy amount of anger I think that we can have so it's I think it's just more or less when we're talking about destructive behaviors at the point that you understand that this is destructive and detrimental to the good of other people you know it Mm -hmm. it it reminds me of this little post that I always put up. I got this little, uh, like the person is like in this little Zen pose, and it says, um, "Do no harm, but take no shit." So, <laughs> That's so we're not that type saying. of post. I like that. So we're not saying. That, that to be completely like, like you're walking around and, you know, everything around you and you're just, you know, nobody's talking about turning other cheeks and all of that kind of stuff. But we are saying that you cannot do things that will sabotage yourself. So something that you do that's going to cause you to get a prison sentence is probably not an emotion that you should re- react to. <laughs> Except that and I mean I like to keep pointing this out because there is sometimes there's a worthy cause to go to prison. So I mean, but that's not what I think that people should kinda understand what we mean when we're talking about this. We're not talking about regular normal emotions. We're not talking about the emotional emotions that that women may get during that time of the month. You know, you can tell us to rise above that. Well (laughs) you know, I don't know. I don't know how we necessarily do something that is, that is, that is part of you know nature. I mean, are there are things that you can take and supplement and vitamins and things like that that can control that. But you still know that it's happening because even then we know that it's happening. We can feel it. So when you start to feel it in your gut, when you start to feel like I want to cause some serious harm to this person, or I want revenge, I want to do something to this person to destroy their reputation because I'm angry. That's an emotion you need to rise above. So I mean
4: I want to add add to that list when you're done. Go right ahead. You said anger and revenge, I'm gonna cross it off the list. But pride is a very big one for black people. We some we some proud people. It's having feelings of pride can be too much. Nothing wrong with pride, but like you said, there's an unhealthy sense of pride. Can't nobody tell you nothing. Someone try to say something, you too proud to take uh, constructive criticism. That ain't good. Or you too proud for someone to help you. I don't need no damn help. That's too much pride. That's excessive. And and I wanted to give that example because as black people, that is something that, that we demonstrate a lot as a people. Jealousy is a, another one we that's not good. Uh, it could get out of control. Yeah, it's it's natural. You know, you 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 drive down the street and you know you got a car, but you would like to get another car. Somebody roll up in a three hundred thousand dollar car and you say, "Man, I wish I could have that." That's normal. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. You just got to check that be- before it becomes envy. Like envy means I'm gonna take it from them. They don't deserve that. Now you're getting really really dangerous. Uh, another uh, feeling that we need to be uh, uh, we need to be critical about is this sense of self-importance or self-entitlement, where we feel we deserve and nobody else does. Got to be careful with us. So I wanted to throw those out there as examples so that people can understand what we mean when you were talking. Just to give a flip of you name naming healthy emotions i just wanted to just give a comparison of some negative emotions
3: yeah i'm glad uh keila that you did um, make a distinction and make it very clear for our listening audience that um when we speak of emotions we are saying that we should be rising above the negative ones because i know i was having a conversation um with someone a couple of days ago and we were talking about this whole thing of emotions and rising above emotion and you know how women oftentimes are accused of being so emotional, and you know we don't think rational. We're so emotional, and you know, um, in the conversation, we said, "Well, emotion, first of all, is not necessarily a bad thing." You know, um, it's about what type of emotion are you experiencing? Because emotion, in and of itself, is natural. You know, it's a it's emotion. The meaning is a, is that of a natural, instinctive. State of mind. Um, so we all have different types of emotion, but in this case, when we say rising above emotion, we're definitely speaking about um, those emotions that are not good for us. You know, those emotions that um, again cause us to be other than ourselves. The ones that we really need to need to check. Um, so I'm glad again that you you made that
1: distinction. Thank you, yeah. And and those emotions that, that keep us stuck and unable to move forward because sometimes those things happen as well. We get so emotional about something that it consumes so much of us that we can't move. We become stagnant and we can't progress. And you can't progress when you are allowing something to emotionally cripple you. And there are people who can become emotionally crippled. And so those yeah. are things that we have to seriously pay attention to. And I, I'm going to always go back to this because I was listening to you, like when you were saying that this is a process that we are constantly having to check ourselves, that it's not something that happens overnight, that it is a constant everyday thing that you have to do to rise above negative and unhealthy emotion. And for me, What I have done is managed expectations, and I've always already said that. But the managing of expectations is the one thing that has helped me. And I think, you know, we can talk about what it is that we have done that helps us to manage our emotions to help us to, uh, you know, to try to rise above that. But accepting that a person is who they are has worked for me. So I don't have expectations of other people. And because I don't have expectations of other people, well, unrealistic expectations of other people, then things that other people do don't necessarily affect me emotionally in a certain way. And because I've also accepted, some of it is acceptance, accepting people for who they are, not for who you choose for them to be. And once you understand that everybody is not you, everybody is not going to respond the same way that you respond, and everybody is not going to live the way you desire for them to live. When you can accept that, you can control your response. That, that's just one of the things that I do. I decided to, to, to meet people where they are and, and just not have unrealistic ex- expectations of other people. Right. And I was
3: listening when I thought about what um, Akila Nyande, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, being in control, basically, you know, and whether or not it was somebody else's actions causing you to do something and having, having to, you know, um, re evaluate or self check. And it made me think about, you know, the saying that the hand that, what is it, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Um, I don't want anybody rocking my damn crib. This is one of the reasons why I never really have, (laughs) I never really have wanted to be in positions like, for example, alcohol and getting high. Mm -mm. The reason being is because I don't like being in an altered state of mind where something else is controlling me. To a point where I don't even know what the heck I'm doing. And somebody has to tell me the next day, oh, you was falling out and you would, no. mm -mm. I need to be in control. I'm not giving that power and control over to anybody. And if somebody is causing me to be other than myself, then I need to check myself to see at what point did I relinquish? At what point did I give away my power and my control? And that makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) That makes me very uncomfortable to know unless it's a situation where we're, it's a spiritual relationship. There's a difference, but I'm basically talking about just having control over myself and my actions to the point where somebody else is ruling and rocking my world. Now, you know, when I'm in the mode of being a student and I'm in the mode of, you know, um, learning and, you know, having humility because I'm attaining higher knowledge. That's something different. So if the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, you're not about to rock my cradle. The minute you start, then I, I say, okay, you know what? Something's wrong here. I gave them a remote control they should not have. I'll take it back, please. Thank you. Thank
1: you.
2: For me, it's the similar situation as far as you know i like to be in control of my mindset my state of being and i like to feel that whatever decision that i'm making it's coming from truly a pure place it's coming from the depth of who i am and with no filter which is basically what she's saying there is no filter it's me Being able to really tap into who it is that I am and really get into the bottom of, you know, the whole concept of, I guess you could say, self-improvement. Yeah. Because how do you know you're truly self-improving if you're altered in any type of way? And I think that that emotion is, you know... Emotions can be a drug when it takes over you like that, you know, anger, the negative anger, it can take over you and it can just really like, it can really take over you like how an intoxicant, you know, so we just have to practice. A lot of times it's really just about practice. I I practice daily to think, you know, to really think when I'm in situations And to just allow myself to look at it from different perspectives, not just my perspective, which is the ego, but look at it from the other perspectives. And then, of course, the ultimate perspective of what would Allah want for me.
4: One of the most important challenges I think that we we need to do, and that is self-analysis. We have to be evaluating ourselves. That's very important. Uh, the second one is we need to, and in that evaluation, we need to monitor our triggers. You know, what is setting us off emotionally when we become emotionally out of control? What were our, our uh, desired outcomes? Were they outcomes that were desirable for us? Or do we take in consideration other people that we love? Are we, are we thinking about how our emotions affect them? I don't think that's something that we do. When we go on an emotional tangent, uh, who are we affecting? Who's receiving that negative energy? So that's very important. Another thing we can do, we need to uh, utilize those resources around us, those close friends that's going to tell you the truth. Your husband, your boyfriend, your mother, your father, those people who love you are going to tell you the truth. Listen to them, they can help you overcome any emotional. Issues you may have and may help you help you manage those emotions. One of the biggest things I'd have to do, I can speak for myself. I have to monitor my diet because meat is make you aggressive. I'm gonna tell you, it makes me aggressive. I'm ready to pounce. So if if I'm going off and feel like I can't control my emotions or get to a point I'm 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 losing my control of my emotions, I have to look at my diet. How much dead food am I eating? What's processing in my diet? How much living food have I been eating? How many vegetables? You know how much? How many salads? We need to be looking at what we put in our body because what we put in our body does affect how we think and it does affect how we act. We cannot discount that. So those are my my four challenges.
3: I I listen to you all and you know it, was, it sounds like um, Dr. Akima, you know which I appreciate you always do at the end of all of our um conversations is that you give solutions or you challenge, you know, our listeners to go and do something that is going to help them, you know, with whatever we discuss. And so one of the things that I just wanted to quickly mention that I know I do when I feel myself um, being challenged with my own personal emotions, what helps me to not go there or what helps me to kind of rise higher And kind of, you know, come and remove that ego is to just ask a question. Um, It reminds me of what the honorable Elijah Muhammad taught when he spoke. And Akili, you mentioned this earlier, thinking five times before you speak or thinking five times before you respond or before you act. And so with my children, as they were growing up when they were smaller. And you remember the whole um, saying, WWJD? What would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah, I that. that I used to always use that with the children. well what would your mom do? What would your dad do? You know how would God respond? so it was always like you know w w m d or whoever you fill in the blank, <laughs> whatever whatever that person is that you respect and you honor um, what would they do? How would they respond? I want to make sure that i I'm responding really in the best way from the teachers and the guides that um, are before me and have you know part of knowledge my way so that's one of the things and another thing is I try to go into a meditative or prayer-like state it's not always easy depending upon the situation but it it does soothe me at least it brings me back down it's kind of like you have a hot flame and you're pouring some water over it so that's how I look at it I kind of immediately come to chill mode and just say you know what whether it's counting, some of us may count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, <laughs> fifty-five, ninety-nine. If not to jump you know. You now, so kind of we all have those things that we do to kind of keep us. Sometimes we bite our tongue. My tongue has been bitten to where it's been bloody and blue. But um, that's just my little extra that I want to share is that some of those things um, are helpful. I find helpful. To get me back to a place of peace.
2: This has been a great conversation.
1: Conversation with the Royal Empress Child. This is what we do. (laughs) Akilah Nahunda, we really appreciate you joining us as our guest empress, co host. joining us. Conversation. We really appreciate you being here. Is there anything that you
2: have that you like, any parting words you have for our listeners? I would just say, let's all work on being our highest selves, our best selves, and allow no one to have the type of power over us that takes us out of our character and who we truly desire to be, who Allah desires us to be. Thank you. And
1: thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us for another Conversations with the Royal Empress, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on The Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow The Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with The Royal Empress is a subsidiary of The Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.